The Writings of Isaac Pennington, Volume 2, Chapter 15, The Letters of Isaac Pennington, Part 2 of 4. To Widow Hemmings, Dear friend, I think it long since I heard from you. I remember the sweet and precious savor that was upon your spirit the last time I was with you, with my dear friend J.C. It has been my hope and desire that the Lord might preserve you therein. The truth in the inward parts is of God. That is the thing which all are to mind, and in which acceptance with God is witnessed. Without the truth in the inward parts, there is no acceptance with God. Let men profess what they will or can. For God never disowned the truth, nor any that are in it. Here the flesh and blood which give life are fed upon. Here the bread which comes down from heaven and the water of life are known. But outside of this they are not, nor can they be known. O oh, my friend, that you might feel more and more truth in the inward parts, and be more and more established therein. What is the outward feeding or outward supper? It is but a shadow. The inward feeding or the inward supper is the substance. And as the day dawns and the day star rises in your heart, the shadows will flee away and the substance will be discovered, owned, and delighted in by you. The shadows reach but to the outward part, but the ministration of life, the ministration of the substance, reaches to the seed. And you must be more and more transplanted into the seed that Christ may be formed in you and you formed in him and so grow up into his heavenly nature and image out of the earthly, out of the natural. Oh, may the Lord prosper his own seed and holy plantation in your heart and may he keep you in the meek, lowly, humble, poor and tender spirit unto which is his mercy and blessing. I expected to have heard from you or at least from your daughter before this time, supposing I had a promise thereof from her. The Lord uphold, preserve, and bless her. Let her look not out, but only look within for the will of the Lord. And may she mind nothing else, and it will be well with her. My dear love is both to you and her, who am your sincere friend. Isaac Pennington, 4th of ninth Month, 1673 To an Unknown Recipient Dear friend, I had a desire to have stayed a little while with you the last time I passed through Uxbridge, but was prevented. The occasion of my writing to you is something which was on my heart towards you. Do you desire to know the Lord in the gospel covenant, and would you walk with him therein? I know you would. Do you desire to have sin destroyed in you, and Christ reign in your heart? Do you desire to fight against your enemies so as to overcome, and to run the race so as to obtain the everlasting prize, the eternal weight of glory? Oh, then, mind truth in the inward parts, even the grace and truth which are by Jesus Christ to whom God has given power. For he gives power to his own by the grace of his Holy Spirit over sin and corruption in the inward parts. Did not God conquer the enemies of the outward Jews in Egypt, in the wilderness, and in the good land also? And shall he not do so inwardly for the inward Jews? Truly, there are enemies in Egypt, in the land that is, as I may say, wholly dark and under the oppression of spiritual Pharaoh. There are enemies also in the heart which is like a wilderness and solitary place. And there are enemies also in the heart which is in some measure renewed and made good and honest. Now all the spiritual enemies, all the enemies of a man's own house, are to be destroyed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, working by his grace in the heart. This grace, being received, subjected to, dwelt in, and obeyed, brings deliverance and salvation from them all. And when salvation is brought home to the heart and wrought out there by the Lord, it is to be enjoyed and abode in, and the soul is not to return back again into captivity. Indeed, having been delivered out of the hands of its inward and spiritual enemies by the holy inward and spiritual covenant, the soul is to serve God in the dominion of his son's life in holiness and righteousness all its days here upon the earth. O oh, my friend, mind this precious truth inwardly, 
this precious grace inwardly, the precious life inwardly, the precious light inwardly, the precious power inwardly, the inward word of life, the inward voice of the shepherd in the heart, the inward seed, the inward salt, the inward leaven, the inward pearl, etc., whereby Christ effects his own work. Distinguish between mere words concerning a thing and the thing itself within. Then wait and labor to know, understand, and be guided by the motives, leadings, drawings, teachings, quickenings, etc., of the thing itself within. And take heed of being offended by anything either within or without, for offenses will come. But blessed was he that was not offended at Christ outwardly in the days of his flesh, and blessed is he that is not offended at his inward truth and inward way of appearance in the day of his spirit. O my friend, how precious is the substance beyond all words or testimonies. Oh, that you may come to know it in yourself and be sensible of God's ministering by it to you and increasing it in you. Then you will experientially feel the seed in you and find it growing more and more till it come to be a tree. And then you will sit under its shadow and be delighted with its defense and partake of its sap and fruit. Oh, that every day you might have a sense of the life itself, the truth itself, the power itself, the wisdom itself, the righteousness itself. And may you find the Lord Jesus Christ both unclothing and clothing you inwardly, sensibly, and experientially. That is, that you might find him taking away your sin, your iniquities, your unrighteousness, both within and without also, and filling you and clothing you with his righteousness. Then, by his putting these on you and forming them in you, you might find your heart filled and covered with the nature image and spirit of the dear son and so you may indeed put off the old man with his nature and deeds and put on the new man and know the renewing and new creating in christ jesus in the spirit of your mind and then you will have a certain understanding of the truth as it is in jesus and as he manifests it gives power to it and causes it to work in your heart this is the desire of my soul for you May the Lord guide you to it and remove all obstacles and hindrances out of your way. My dear and true love is to your husband. May the Lord manifest his pure and living truth in both your hearts and gather both your minds to it and make you one in it. Your friend in truth, who heartily wishes well to your soul. Isaac Pennington, Grove Place, 17th of 9th month, 1673. To Elizabeth Stoner, Dear friend, whose life in the Lord and prosperity in the truth my heart greatly desires, even that you may come to the perfect service and free and full enjoyment of your soul's beloved. And truly, if I could be in any way helpful to you in this, my heart would greatly rejoice and bless the Lord. This morning, when I awoke, my heart was exercised before the Lord concerning you, Several things did spring up in my mind relating to you, which I may now signify to you as the Lord shall please to bring them again to my mind and open them in my heart in reference to you. I greatly desire to have you rightly understand and be found doing that which the Lord requires of you, that it may go well with you and that your heart may be satisfied and your soul blessed in believing and obeying the truth as it is in Jesus. A few scriptures, sweet and precious to my taste, sprang up in my heart to lay before your view, that you also might suck sweetness and reap benefit through the living sense of them. The first scripture that sprang up to me to you was that of Romans 12:2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that good, that acceptable, and perfect will of God. You must stand at a distance from the spirit of this world. You must not touch the unclean thing, but be a chaste virgin in heart, in word, in conduct, if you expect to be married to the Lamb, to become one spirit with Him, to know His mind, and to enjoy the love and be the delight of His Father. 
The next was Samson's riddle from Judges 14.14. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. It is everlastingly true, both inwardly and outwardly, to the children of the Most High who live in His Spirit and walk in His Spirit and are guided by the power and virtue of His life. For everything that seeks to devour and destroy them, the Lord destroys by the power and virtue of His life and Spirit springing up in them. And truly, out of that which is strong against them, which roars against them in the strength and power of darkness, the Lord brings forth sweetness in and to their spirits. Then that of Luke nine twenty three and 24 came before me. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Now I beseech you, consider, do you take up the daily cross and bear it faithfully for Christ's sake? Do you stand a faithful witness against the spirit of darkness and works of darkness where you live? Do you not comply with any worship there which your heart knows to be out of the truth and spirit of life, in which all true, living, holy, spiritual worship can alone be performed? O oh, take heed of shunning the cross in any respect, for then you give way to unbelief and to that wisdom, thought, reasoning, and judgment which are not of the truth, but rather of the flesh." And then you shun that which God has appointed to crucify sin in the heart, and under which the seed is to spring up and live, which is the power of God unto salvation to all that abide under it and daily bear it. Thus, my dear friend, in the most dear, tender, and true love have I opened my heart to you as things sprang in me for your sake. And the desire of my soul to the Lord is that they may be serviceable to you, and that you may be led by the Holy Leading Spirit more and more into truth, and live in truth, and feel the life of truth living and reigning in you. Oh, that you would be delivered from the enemy's temptations and the subtle twistings of the serpent, which your present condition will often meet with. May the Lord discover them to you and preserve you from being ensnared with them. Your constant friend, in the dear love and service of the truth. Isaac Pennington, Amersham, Berry End, 20th of first month, 1675. To Catherine Portage. Footnote. Being that this letter to Catherine Portage is a somewhat strong correction and warning, it seemed appropriate to insert here a few words of John Pennington, Isaac Pennington's eldest son, written upon the occasion of his father's death. He writes, I have also observed, where my father has been engaged on truth's behalf to rebuke anyone sharply who were declining from their first love and deviating from the truth as it is in Jesus, it has been with so much reluctancy and averseness to his natural temper as I never discerned the like in any, so that it may safely be said, he never used the rod except with great compassion to reclaim. Truly it was in love that he was drawn to smite what the purest love could not allow to go unrebuked. Returning to text. Ah, my poor, distressed, entangled friend! While you seek to avoid the snare, you deeply run into it. For you are feeding on the tree of knowledge by giving way to these thoughts, reasonings, and suggestions which keep you from obedience to that which has already been made manifest to your understanding. And it is no wonder you are feeble in your mind while you are thus separated from him who is your strength and while you let in his enemy. Why should you not act so far as God has given you light? Why should you not appear willing to obey him, even in little things, so far as he has given you light? What if I should say that all this reasoning is but the subtlety of the serpent's wisdom to avoid the cross and is not that simplicity and plainness of heart towards God which you take it to be? What if you are unwilling to be so poor, so low and small in the eyes of others, that this practice would make you appear? And what a subtle device the enemy has put into your mind about prayer, 
which has no weight or truth in it as applied to this present case. For prayer is the breath of life, an effect of God's spiritual breathing, which no man can perform aright without the Spirit's breathing upon him. Therefore, the Spirit is to be waited upon for his breathings and holy fire, so that the sacrifice may be living and acceptable to the living God. But the prayer you mention is mere language, as any man or woman uses in ordinary conversation, and does not require a motion of life to bring it forth, no more than to bring forth other words. And will you say that you truly long for and pant after the Lord and the way of truth and righteousness, while you remain walking against the light which God has given you? Oh, my friend, you and your husband have dallied too long. The Lord has shown great love and mercy towards you. Take heed of dallying any longer. What more would you have the Lord do? How far he has worked towards bringing you into obedience in this thing, but you say you find an inability to abide therein. Do you abide in the faith where the strength is given, and out of the thoughts and consultations of the enemy? Oh, take heed of murmuring against the Lord, as you have been too apt to do. Consider, rather, what great matter of complaint the Lord has against you. What could he have done more for you than he has already done? And have you not been turning aside from his convictions and drawings into your own thoughts and reasonings? I received your letter last night, and upon the reading of it was greatly burdened and grieved for your sake, feeling your spirit so exceedingly wrong in this matter, and your reasoning so crooked and provoking to the Lord. But this morning my heart was opened and drawn forth in this manner to you, and now... May the Lord give you a present and a future sight of the enemy's working in this against the love of God towards you and against the redemption and peace of your soul. My heart breathes to the Lord for you and desires that he may manifest to you that nature, wisdom, and spirit from which these things arise. Oh, that the child may not always be stuck in the birth but at length be brought forth into the light, into the life, into the faith which gives victory, and into the single-hearted and holy obedience where the pure power is known. Your friend in the truth and in sincere love. Isaac Pennington, Amersham, 25th of 9th month, 1675. To his brother Arthur. Footnote. Arthur Pennington, Isaac Pennington's younger brother, was a Roman Catholic priest. Returning to text. Dear brother, I have been a traveler after the Lord from my childhood, and great misery have I undergone because of my longing after him. That which I lacked was his spirit, life, virtue, and redeeming power to be revealed in my heart. And oh, blessed be the Lord, beyond my expectation he has directed me where to wait for this within, and has revealed it in me. And now I can say in truth of heart, and in the sense of that birth which God has begotten in me, Lo, this is my God whom I wanted, and for whom I so waited. And indeed I find him stronger in my heart than the strong man, who possessed it before he cast him out from there, and made a spoil of his goods. And now, dear brother, how can I hold my peace and not testify of the love, mercy, and good will of the Lord towards me and invite others to the redeeming power of which the Lord, in his goodness, has made me a partaker? Now, brother, a few words with respect to your response to what I sent you. Not for contention's sake. The Lord knows my dwelling is in that life and peace which shuts that out but in the tender love and care of my heart concerning the eternal welfare of your soul, which I would not, by any means or device of the enemy, have eternally deceived. All sides may agree in notions about the regenerating power, but all do not receive the regenerating power, or are truly regenerated in the sight of God. Nor do all come to witness the head of the serpent inwardly crushed and his works destroyed, and his kingdom laid waste inwardly by this power, which must be witnessed before a man is translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the dear Son. There is an inward kingdom of darkness, 
where the unbelieving and disobedient to God's spirit and power dwell. And there is an inward kingdom of light, wherein the children of light dwell with God, and walk in the light as he is in the light. But that the work of regeneration is only begun in this life, and not finished till the other life, that is a great mistake. For the scriptures testify that salvation is to be wrought out here, and not hereafter. Christ had all power in heaven and earth, and he sent forth his spirit and power to work out the work here by his sanctifying spirit and power, which is able to sanctify throughout in soul, body, and spirit. And the gifts of the ministry are for the perfecting of the saints till they all come to the unity of the faith unto the perfect man, that they may be presented to God perfect in Christ Jesus." The holy leaven is put into the lump here, and it is able to leaven the lump here, so that holiness is not only to be begun, but perfected in the fear of God, as the apostle exhorts, who did not exhort to a needless or impossible thing. And the whole armor of God is able to defend the whole man from all the assaults of the wicked one, for greater is he who is in the saints and who preserves from sin than he that tempts to sin. Oh, how precious it is to war with the enemy in this conquering faith, and to resist him therein, and to watch him flee from God's power and sword, which will pierce him and can easily overcome him. There is a state where the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But it is not so where the spirit has become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The flesh will be rebelling against the Spirit until it be destroyed by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. But when a man is really crucified with Christ and dead to sin, then sin has no more power over him, for Christ lives in him and reigns in his heart over sin and its temptations. When the God of peace treads Satan under the feet of the soul that was once taken captive by him, there it is known to whom belong the kingdom and the power and the victory and the dominion. And this is true blessedness begun, carried on, and upheld by the pure, sanctifying power of the word of life in the heart. Indeed, the birth which is born of God knows this to be no delusion, but rather the truth as it is in Jesus. These are obedient to the true church of God, and to the holy ministry which he has brought out of the wilderness. And they also know of what nature the churches and ministries have been which have appeared and been set up in the world. For the devil has long transformed himself into the likeness of an angel of light, and cheated and beguiled souls. Indeed, the false church has reigned, with Antichrist sitting in the temple, the man-child having been caught up to God, and the true church hidden in the wilderness." and men have generally put darkness for light, and light for darkness. But blessed be the Lord, the true light which shone in the apostles' days now shines again. This light discovers the mystery of iniquity, and the golden cup of abominations with which the earth has been made drunk, and Satan falls down like lightning before the power of him upon whom the true church leaned when she came out of the wilderness. And upon him she still leans, and will lean forever and the gates of hell shall not be able to prevail against her. Blessed be the Lord who has brought many wanderers and distressed ones to the knowledge of the true church and to a delightful obedience to her, whose voice is not different than Christ's, but one with it. These are in fellowship with the Father and Son and with the saints who dwell in the light. They are clothed with the Lamb's innocency and righteousness and do not dwell in darkness or sin, having crucified the old man with his affections and lusts, and put off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, and put on the new man, which is created in Christ Jesus, in the righteousness and holiness of truth. They that are here dwell not in notions and preferences, but in eternal life, in the pure pastures of life, where the shepherd of the inward and spiritual Israel feeds his holy flock day by day. As for the Roman Catholic Church, or any other church built up in the apostasy from the life and spirit of the apostles, the Lord has given me to see through them, to that which was before them, and will be after them. 
And, O oh, dear brother, if you could but rightly wait for and meet with the holy, regenerating, purifying power, which in tender love I testified to you of, it would lead you to that which is the true church indeed, which has been persecuted by the dragon and the false church who are made drunk by the blood of the true seed. The Lord has made me your brother in the line of nature. Oh, that you are my brother in that truth which lives and abides forever. Oh, that you knew the church of the firstborn who are written in heaven and the Jerusalem above which is free and is the mother of all who are born of the regenerating virtue and power. Isaac Pennington, 20th of 7th month, 1676. To Sir William Armorer, Footnote. Concerning this man, Thomas Elwood writes, Pennington's sixth imprisonment was in the year 1670 in Reading Jail, where he went to visit his friends that were sufferers there for the testimony of Jesus. Notice being given of his visit to one called Sir William Armorer, a justice of the peace living in the town. He was forthwith brought before him and committed to the jail, thereby becoming a fellow sufferer with those he had come to visit. This imprisonment lasted about 21 months. Returning to text. Friend, the weighty sense of an eternal condition after this life has been upon my heart from my childhood, and it is often with me that I must give an account to God, when I pass out of this transitory world, of all things done in the body. Then, indeed, I shall enter into eternal rest and blessedness, or into eternal woe and misery. This causes me to call upon the Lord daily for grace and wisdom from Him, that my conscience, being cleansed through the blood of His Son, may be kept void of offense both towards Him and men. And truly, I speak not boastingly, but in the fear of the Lord and in the sense of His goodness and tender mercy to me. My heart is preserved in love and innocency towards those who most injuriously and without provocation on my part have taken away my liberty as far as I know, for my whole lifetime. What you further intend towards me, the Lord knows, to whom I have committed my cause. But this is on my heart to express to you, because when I was with you, you spoke words to this purpose, that we wished you hanged, or that we would be glad if you were hanged. God, who knows my heart, is witness, that I wish you no evil, neither to you nor your family. Indeed, I wish you may avoid all such things that may bring his wrath and curse upon you, either in this world or the world to come. And friend, do not provoke the Lord by afflicting those that fear him. Rather, cease to do evil, learn to do well, and this will please the Lord and is more acceptable to him than all the worship that can be offered up to him without this. I have sent you a little book as a token of my love, desiring you to peruse it seriously. Oh, do not endeavor to bring me into such a condition as is there related. In the light, I have seen that I ought not to swear, but to give yes and no of truth, which comes from the Christian nature, and is of far more certainty and assurance than swearing. For the man that swears may easily break his oath, but he that keeps to the truth cannot alter his yes or no, but it stands in the truth. And this our Lord and Master has said above, and instead of, all swearing, which, if we should vary from and deny, we would deny him who has taught us not to swear. Friend, God has given you an immortal soul, and does require of you righteousness towards your fellow creatures, and temperance and moderation of spirit, and sensibleness of the judgment to come after this life. You are stricken in years, and you have but a little moment left remaining of your time, and then it will be determined concerning your soul how or what it shall be forever. Let these words of love, truth, and innocency from me prevail upon you to be serious, and to let in the sense and fear of God upon your heart. You have spent much time in serving man. Oh, spend a little in serving and fearing God. There is something which is pure and of God and appointed by him to exercise the conscience towards him. You have this thing near you. Oh, that you might know it and be joined to it. For until then, you can never truly serve or fear the Lord, 
but may spend your time here in a vain show, and at last be judged and condemned by the Lord, and lie down in eternal sorrow. Truly, it is the desire of my heart that this be not your portion from the hand of the Lord. This is from a sufferer by you, who never gave you the least cause or provocation to so deal with me. Isaac Pennington, Reading Jail To the Lady Conway Dear friend, I have heard both of your love to truth and of your great afflictions outwardly, both which occasion a sense concerning you and breathings to the tender father of my life for you. My earnest desire is that your heart may know and be joined to the truth, and that you may live and walk in it, reaping the sweet comfort, support, and satisfaction which God daily ministers in and through it to his gathered and preserved ones. Oh, that you would be led to where the Comforter does daily delight to supply the afflicted and suffering ones with comfort, whether inwardly or outwardly. Now, my dear friend, take heed of that wisdom and knowledge which is not of the seed, and which can be held in the mind without the springing life of the seed. The first day I was convinced, I was not only convinced in my understanding concerning the seed, But I felt the seed in my heart, and my heart was enraptured with the sense and feeling of it. And my great cry to the Lord was that I might faithfully travel through all the sufferings and death to the natural part, into union with and enjoyment of the seed. And that the wisdom, which was not of the pure living root and nature, might die in me. Now, how I have been exercised and taught since that time is hard for me to utter. What poverty, what weakness, what foolishness I have been led into. How I have learned in the true sense, out of the reach of the comprehending, knowing mind. How tender I have been of every secret shining of light in my heart. How the Lord has taught and enabled me to pluck out my right eye and cut off my right hand and cast them from me, that I might not see with that eye nor work with that hand, but be greatly maimed in the sight of men and in my own sight too. O friend, wait, wait daily to feel the seed, to feel the seed live in you, and let the most pleasing part of your nature die, as it can live outside of the seed. O that you could exchange all old knowledge for that which is new and living. The seed is the well. Receive the seed, and you receive the well. Let it spring. Wait for its springing. Wait to know its springing. Bear all the trials and judgments which the Father of life sees necessary to prepare the heart for its springing, and learn to feel that which limits and subdues your thoughts, and brings them into captivity and subjection. Be not exercised in things too high for you. David, the man after God's own heart, who was wiser than his teachers, was not. Rather, come out of knowledge into feeling, And there you will find the true knowledge given, arising, springing, and covering your heart as the waters cover the sea. And wait to be taught of God, to distinguish between the outwardness of knowledge, the notional part, as it can be comprehended in the mind, and the life of it, as it is felt and abides in the heart. May the Lord God of my life be your teacher, and point your mind to the pure seed of the kingdom, and open it in you. And let him make you so little that you may enter into it, and keep you so low and poor that you may abide in it, managing these troublesome times in the outward for your advantage in the inward. Then the city and temple of the living God may be built within, and you will know him daily dwelling and walking therein. Thus may you be married to the Lord and become one spirit with him, finding him to remove all that must be removed by the mighty arm and pure operation of his spirit, till all that is contrary is done away. Then may your soul dwell with its beloved, in fullness of joy, life, and peace forevermore. This is from the tender love and fresh breathings of life in your soul's true friend and most hearty well-wisher. Isaac Pennington, 17th of 3rd month, 1677. To James Eels. Footnote. 
James Eales was either a magistrate or a priest who demanded tithes from Pennington. Returning to text. Friend, God is my witness, to whom I must give an account of all my actions, that it is my desire to be found in all true love, courtesy, and righteousness in my dealings towards all men, and I would by no means deny any man his just due, which he can by any just law or right claim from me. Now, with respect to tithes, the payment or refusing of them is to me a matter of conscience, weighty on my heart before the Lord, and I desire to do therein as he might justify and not condemn me. I know tithes were ordained by God to be paid to the Levitical priesthood under the law, but the same power that ordained them under the law annulled them under the gospel. See Hebrews 7:12 and 18. Here is God's power and authority for annulling them. Now, to suggest that any man has a true right, power, or authority to require payment under the gospel for what God's power has annulled, indeed, I do not see in Scripture. Nor can I be subject to any human authority or law in this thing without sinning against God and incurring his wrath upon my soul, which I have formerly found very dreadful and would not, for fear of sufferings in this world, expose myself to bearing it. Besides, Christ says, He that denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father. He is the substance of all the figures under the law. He has put an end to them. Truly, he is the king, the priest, the prophet in the church of God. All power in heaven and earth is given to him, and he sent forth his ministers without tithes. Now, tithes were set up in the dark time of Roman Catholicism, and not by the gospel light. Those who know the gospel light dare not be subject to that which was set up by the dark power of Rome in the time of darkness. I was willing to give you this plain and naked account that you may see how weighty the thing is with me, and how dangerous it would be for me to do what you require of me. For in doing so, I would lose my peace with God. I would be unfaithful to the testimony He has given me to bear. I would dishonor His name and truth, and bring His sore wrath and displeasure upon my soul and conscience. Judge for yourself in this matter, whether I had not better expose myself to any outward sufferings, though ever so great, either from you or from any you shall make use of, then expose my soul to so great inward misery and sufferings for disobedience to the Lord in this particular. Consider Ralph Trumper. Footnote. Ralph Trumper was one of thousands of Quakers who had corn, cattle, and other goods taken by force to pay obligatory tithes to the Church of England. He was later imprisoned on at least two occasions for the same offense. Returning to text. A just, tender, honest-hearted man. How much he has suffered in this respect to keep his conscience clear in this thing. But I believe he would rather suffer all his former losses ten times over again than suffer what he did for paying tithes after he was convinced of the evil and unlawfulness of it. I do not contend with you by the law of the land, but I must be subject to the law of God, who shows me from what root tithes came, and that they are not the maintenance of the ministry of Christ, or allowed by Christ, but rather the maintenance of a ministry that Rome's power set up. And truly this ministry and its maintenance are to be denied and witnessed against by those who he calls forth to testify to his truth. So at present I say no more, but remain your friend, ready to do you any good, though I should suffer ever so deeply from you. Isaac Pennington, 25th of 4th month, 1677 To Ducebella Leighton Dear friend, concerning whom I feel a travail, the following is the sense of my heart in relation to you. There is a pure seed of life which God has sown in you. Oh, that it might come through and come over all that is above it and contrary to it. And for that end you must wait daily to feel it and to feel your mind subdued by it and joined to it. Take heed of looking out in the reasonings of your mind, but dwell in the feeling sense of life, and then that will arise in you more and more which makes you truly wise and gives power and brings into the holy authority and dominion of life. 
Many that have been long traveling are now entering into their possessions and inheritance, which the Lord is daily enlarging in them and to them. Oh, that your lot may be among them, inwardly witnessed and possessed by you. Prize inward exercises, griefs and troubles, and let faith and patience have their perfect work in you. Oh, desire to be good, upright and perfect in God's sight, and wait to feel the life, spirit and power which makes you so. Come out of the knowledge and comprehension about things into the feeling of life, and let that be your knowledge and wisdom which you receive and retain there. This will lead you into the footsteps of the flock, without reasoning, consulting, or disputing. Oh, wait! Wait to be taught and enabled by God to take right steps in your travels, and to take up the cross and despise the shame in everything where that wisdom, will, and mind of man, which is to be crucified, would be judged. For the wisdom from below will judge amiss, and lead aside if it be hearkened to by you. You must be very low, weak, and foolish, that the seed may arise in you to exalt you, and become your strength and wisdom. You must die exceedingly, again and again, more and more, inwardly and deeply, that your life may spring up from the holy root, and you may be more and more gathered into it, spring up into it, and live in the life, virtue, and power of it. The travel is long, the exercises many, the snares, temptations, and dangers are many, and yet the mercy, relief, and help is great also. Oh, that you may feel your calling and election, your sinking down, springing up and establishing in the pure seed, in the light and righteousness thereof. Your friend, in the most sincere and tender love. Isaac Pennington, 11th of 5th month, 1677. To Sir William Drake, Dear friend, you expressed to one of my youngest sons, as he related to me, that you had a desire I should visit you, that you might have some discourse with me about religion. That is the most profitable kind of discourse that can be, if it be ordered in the fear of the Lord, and in a weighty sense and dread of him. I am very serious in reference to religion, and desire not to mistake or miscarry in it by any means. And if I might be helpful to you, or to any man, as to the truth and power of religion, it would be a matter of gladness to my heart, and of praising and blessing the Lord, in the sense of his stretching forth his hands towards the saving of any. Now, that our meeting and discourse may be the more solemn and advantageous, I have written below a few plain propositions to consider, which I do not only find signified in the Scriptures, but the Lord has also written them on my heart. And if these things are plain to you, and you also are in the serious sense of them, it may tend towards the making of our discourse the more easy and profitable. First, there is a holy, righteous, living, powerful God, who made heaven and earth, and all things therein and at last made man in his own image, and set him over the works of his hands to have dominion and rule in his wisdom and power over them. Now in this state God was pleased and took delight in the works of his hands and in man above all. Secondly, man, sinning against his Maker, lost this image, which was his glory, and became brutish in his understanding, and an enemy to God in his mind, and liable to the wrath of God's holy and righteous nature. Thirdly, there is no reconciliation to be had between God and man except by the change of this nature in man. For God is unchangeable. He is light, he is life, he is holiness unchangeable, and he will never be reconciled to or have fellowship with darkness or with that which is dead and unholy, which man, in his fallen state, is. So man must be begotten again unto God and changed and renewed from his evil and sinful nature into a good and holy nature. He must be turned from evil works and become the workmanship of God, created anew unto good works. Fourthly, nothing can produce this change in man except the spirit and power of Christ, except the grace and truth 
which is by Jesus Christ. Therefore, a man must be sure that he received this spirit and power, and that he feel the operative, changing virtue of it, and be really changed thereby, being created anew, begotten anew to God, in the holiness and righteousness of truth. He must be sure that he is made a son and servant to the living God, or he can never know what belongs to true reconciliation with God and to fellowship with him in the light and life of his Son. Fifthly, all the religions and professions upon the face of the earth which fall short of this spirit, life, and power, and wherein this new creation in Jesus Christ is not witnessed, nor power received to abstain from what is evil and to become sons of God. These are not the pure, powerful gospel religion, wherein the divine virtue and power of life operates. Rather, these are religions which men, in the earthly wisdom, have formed without life. And all religions that have but a form of godliness, and not the power, are to be turned away from, and witnessed against, by such as are called forth to be witnesses to the true gospel religion and way of worship, which stands in spirit, life, and power. Sixthly, this religion and worship, which stands in spirit, life, and power, is the religion and worship which Christ set up about 1,600 years ago. John 4, 23 and 24, 1 Corinthians 4, 20, Romans 6, 4. And this is the religion which God has revived and set up again, as they that receive the gospel now preach it. And those who believe in the power, which is both outwardly testified of and also inwardly revealed, have the witness of it in their own hearts. See Revelation 14, 6 and 7, 1 John 5, 10-12, and Isaiah 53, 1. Oh, how sweet are these scriptures when they are rightly read and rightly understood. May the Lord give the right understanding and lead into the true experience of them. I remain an acknowledger of your kindness and a desirer for you that you may obtain from God the knowledge of himself and his Son, which is experienced by them that receive it, to be eternal life. Isaac Pennington, 19th of 5th month. 1678. To the Women's Meeting at John Mannix Dearly beloved and honored in the Lord, blessed be the Lord who has gathered you and given your hearts to meet together, to feel His precious presence and power and to wait to do His will therein. Oh, what could the Lord do more for His people than to turn them to that pure seed of life which will make them all alive and keep them all in life and purity, and then to make use of every living member in the living body as his spirit shall breathe upon them and his power actuate them. And indeed, there is need of all the life and power to the body which the Lord sees good to bestow on any member of it. Every member of the body has life given it, not only for itself, but also for the use and service of the body. Only, dear friends, here is to be the great care, that every member keep within the limits of life, wherein its capacity and ability for service lies. For apart from this, it can do no real service for God or to the body. O oh, therefore, keep the eye fixed upon the life, upon the power, upon the presence of the Lord with your spirits. Then he may go along with you and guide you in every thought you think, every word you speak, in reference to his work and service. And mind, friends, what is now upon me to write to you. It is one thing to sit waiting to feel the power, and to keep within the limits of the power there. And it is another thing, yes, and a harder one, to feel and keep within the sense and limits of the power when you come to act. For then your reasonings, your wisdom, your apprehensions have more advantage to rise up in you and to put themselves forth. O oh, therefore, watch narrowly and diligently against the forward part in you to keep back to the life, which, though it rise more slowly, yet acts more surely and safely for God. O oh, wait and watch to feel your keeper keeping you within the holy bounds and limits 
within the pure fear, within the living sense, while you are acting for your God. Then you will be his instruments alone, and will feel him acting in you. Therefore, everyone wait to feel the judge risen up, and the judgment set in your own hearts, so that what arises in you may be judged, and nothing may pass from you publicly, except for what has first passed the pure judgment in your own breasts. And let the holy rule of the blessed Apostle James be also upon your spirits. Let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. O let not a talkativeness have place in any of you. Rather abide in such gravity, modesty, and weightiness of spirit as becomes the judgment seat of the spirit and power of the Lord. You can never wait too much for the power, nor can you ever act too much in the power, but you may easily act too much without it. And as for this troublesome, contentious busyness in some, may the Lord teach you to consider and manage it in a wise, tender, and healing spirit. You must distinguish in judgment between enemies and erring friends, and take heed of the quickness and strength of reason, or of the natural part which avails little. But wait for the evidence and demonstration of God's Spirit, which reaches to the witness in others and does the work. Are they in a snare? Are they overtaken in a fault? Are they in measure blinded and hardened, so that they can neither see nor feel aright? Retire, sit still a while, and travail for them. Feel how life will arise in any of you, and how mercy will reach towards them, and how living words from a tender sense may be reached forth to their hearts deeply by the hand of the Lord for their good. And if you find them at length bowing to the Lord, oh, let tender compassion help them forward. Then what has been so troublesome and dissatisfactory in their progress may at length have a sweet issue for their good and for our joy and rejoicing in the Lord. So, my dear friends, the Lord be with you and guide you in this and in all that he shall further call you to. And may he multiply his presence, power, and blessings upon you and make your meetings as serviceable to the honor of his name as he himself would have them and as you yourselves can desire them to be. Your friend and brother in the tender truth and in the pure love and precious life. Isaac Pennington, 19th of 5th month, 1678.